Hi, this is Elliot Fishman. Welcome to part two of this talk. As I mentioned, this was from the RSNA Highlights meeting. And I left the first lecture saying that uh, with 64 slice CT, we really need a whole different way to interpret CT scans. And there's a good article. Actually, the person who spoke on the same session I did at the RSNA 2005 was a physicist. And this article was in December Radiology. And I'll quote, extreme multi-detector CT has the potential to re revolutionize cross-sectional imaging. However, substantial infrastructure improvements may be necessary for maximal utility of this technology. And that's very important. And that maximum use, that ability to use the technique to its utmost, it's extreme. It's like extreme sports riding those uh, scooters or something. You really need to have improvements in infrastructure, and that means how we look at images and how we process imaging, everything we've spoken about. Because remember, we always say that the information on a CT scan is not just what you see on axial imaging, that volume visualization requires uh, volume imaging. And it's really the future of CT. That's what Boone is speaking about. Visualization, we've looked at quotes before, the ability to gain a better understanding using our ability to visualize, getting a better feel of data hidden within the data set, but we need it for analysis. That's what visualization is. And I always like to show the example of this little dot on the CT scan and say, what is that dot? Well, no one knows what that dot is. It's just one of many dots, but if you look at it in 3D, that dot becomes the adrenal vein. We see the adrenal vein 100% of the time in 3D and 0% of the time on axial images. We just can't appreciate it. That adrenal vein is a one millimeter to two millimeter structure, and yet it's so easy to visualize, but only when you're visualizing it within the right perspective. If not, you're just not gonna see it at all. Case closed. So it's not a matter of it not being there, it's a matter of you not seeing it. And we speak about not only seeing, but explaining. Yes, I see the vessels, the collaterals in this patient's arm with an occluded shunt for dialysis, but try to explain it. And you ain't gonna explain it as well as you can explain it by looking at the 3D maps or looking at the uh, superficial vessels or looking at the deeper vessels and then looking at all that with 3D reconstructions and doing that interactively. And again, the choice is yours. Do you want to look at 3,000 axial slices and try to put things together? Or do you want to look at one whole data set, looking at those thousands of slices at one time, and then putting things together, whether it's vessels or bone, muscle or soft tissue? It's the ability to visualize that really separates what we're doing from what we can do. And if you don't believe it, just think about CT as never having changed. Maybe we went from film to workstations, and maybe we went from non-spiral to spiral, from one slice to four slice to 16 to 64 to 128, but images are black and white. Or really, is that not the case? When we scan the hand, we can look at the skin and we can look at the muscle and superficial vessels and we can look at the vessels and bone. It's a matter of how we choose to look at things. And we can use the computer to enhance what we see. 
forearm. Look at the vessel detail and I'm just simply changing the lighting model. By changing the lighting model, I change what I could see. I could see more, I could see things in more detail, or see things differently. And then I change the volume rendering style. So there's so much we can see, the information is there, and whether it's the arm or it's the foot, you simply choose what part and what structure you want to see. You recognize this important point because, for example, if you look at this case, collaterals right chest wall due to SVC syndrome, look at the left supracovicular zone, you see a catheter entering, but look at the right forearm, you don't see much of anything. But look, when I change the lighting model, well, you still see a little bit of change, but you still don't see much, but I'll change the lighting model again. Now look at that line near the right antecubital fossa, as well as that line now in more detail in the superficial zone above the left clavicle, and here it is just changing the lighting one more time. So the information is there, it's just that we're not taking advantage of our ability to see it. And we could determine what we want to see. I've shown this example before, but it's a great example of showing you vessel and bone or deciding to put the skin on and showing you soft tissue and muscle and again simply choosing what is it we see whether it's grayscale or it's color whether it's the details of the skin or the nose or the forehead or the bone it's simply us choosing what we want to see so the trauma setting for orbital trauma from skin to bone and not just bone anyway we could see bone opaque or transparent or emphasize the soft tissue and it's the volume rendering which allows us to look at the sinuses or hide the sinuses or see the roots of the teeth or not see them going from opaque to transparent volume rendering is all simply something we need to be able to look at we recognize that one of the biggest changes in CT is post-processing tools whether it's editing tools or segmentation tools whether it's for coronaries or it's for runoffs or for the aorta we know the tools are critical so one tool that is important for every task is this bone editing tool and yes we've done bone editing forever because we know bone often obscures vascular detail and we can use cut planes which we do interactively but now we're focusing more on automated segmentation techniques which truly allow minimum amount of user time but remove maximum information without taking away information that you indeed need. We worked on this interactive watershed transform, very nice technique, thousand slices in 10 seconds. Basically, it can isolate bone, pull the bone out, and so you're simply left with vessels. It occasionally makes mistakes. You can override. Notice it left the ribs, but I didn't care. I was looking at the aorta. What I do care about, it doesn't take away the IMA or SMA or any of the branches, and it doesn't do that. And here's the bone it took away. So you get a feeling of how robust that technique is and how easy it is to visualize with these techniques. And so when I looked at this Venix Varix in an article from uh, Pam Johnson recently in AJR, and I see that Venix Varix, and I want to see the early IVC filling, I simply take away the bony structures, color and blue, pull that bone out, and now all I could see is the vessels, the early feeding vessel. Again, easier to see. 
And it's not just in vascular. If I'm doing bone, I touch the different digits or carpal bones or metacarpals and I take them away and I'm able to simply pull things out of the data set even though they're exquisitely close together to optimize our visualization. And this is true in a patient with an acetabular fracture. We want to look directly in the acetabulum prior to repair. We've, the computer pulls that blue bone out without overlapping into the acetabulum. And so when we pull it out, now look how nicely we can see the medial wall displaced. We can look inside the acetabulum. I can leave the bone in or take the bone away. We could take the bone away or just bring that femur back. And we can do it opaque or we can do it transparent. Everything you want to see, we're able to visualize. And we know that's critical. We know the quote of every picture tells a story with Rod Stewart. And we know that we can image the colon. Virtual colonoscopy is one of the hottest areas and the detailed fold pattern we can create. So when we have a tumor, such as a Alpacor in this patient, we can see it nicely on coronal, but really nicely on 3D. And I could do a double contrast and a single contrast study at the same time with my hands tied behind my back. We can look at the visualizations of that Alpacor lesion and really understand exactly where the tumor is or look inside that colon and do virtual imaging, virtual colonoscopy in this case, finding the mass. And again, this is not something I'm going to talk about in this talk in any great detail, but virtualization becomes very, very important in visualization. And when you think about what we can see, the ability to fly through an organ, but not just flying, it's looking and paying attention. So if I want to look at this example where I have the same software and I'm inside the stomach and I'm looking up, I want to see those folds, those gastric folds. That's how the stomach actually looks. Now that's an impressive CT. Or in this example, we see nodules, which are just tumors. Look how nicely you can see them. Or in this example, when you're looking at a patient and you're seeing this nodularity in the gastric wall and you recognize that it's simply hyperplastic polyps, we're able to visualize with very impressive detail. And that application is true whether we're looking in the airways, and you can see this patient with tracheal papillomatosis, the nodule at the level of the bifurcation, and we could change the visualization, which you can see here, or we can go inside and not only see that lesion at the bifurcation, but see several other lesions on the wall. I thought I was gonna say she sells seashells or something, but you can see the lesion very nicely on the wall, easily missed on the axials, but easily visualized on the 3D, and here's that lesion at the bifurcation. We speak about what you see that you would miss. We also speak about what you see that you would misinterpret. So this patient had this scan, which was read outside as an insulinoma because it's very bright and washes out. When we did our 3D, we recognized that it was not an insulinoma, but a splenic artery aneurysm, a very ectatic splenic artery going through the pancreas. What a difference in diagnosis. It's simply based on the visualization. We're able to see the splenic artery aneurysm, an incredible case, an incredibly unusual case, but one that could have been catastrophic to the patient. 
We talk about visualization. So this next patient has an islet cell tumor which involves the splenic vein and you see collaterals on the axial imaging. But you recognize that it's only in 3D. We appreciate the gastric varices. We appreciate on MIP the extent of the collaterals. And when you put these images side by side, you recognize how much strength there is. And it's not just the neoplastic processes. This patient has GI bleeding. There's huge gastric varices, dilated gastric vein, splenic vein is occluded, and it was due to pseudocysts from repeated episodes of pancreatitis. That's changing our visualization and how we manage patients. We talked previously about neovascularity, and just one point again, axials are not enough. We can see so much about neovascularity, determine where tumor extends, what therapy needs to be done, what therapy is working, by being able to look at more than simply this large liver mass, but looking at the neovascularity. And that's something I think that's gonna become very, very important in the near term. And it's going to be a very big part, indeed, of imaging. And you can see it nicely here as well. Now, this whole concept of looking at volumes is not just in the unusual case, or maybe you want to think about the oncology case with neovascularity. Look at this beautiful example of a dilated structure right lower quadrant. You should recognize it as appendicitis, but look how nicely it can be seen in the coronal view. We see the calcifications within the, the uh, dilated appendix. Just a very, very classic example of acute appendicitis. Or looking at this patient with Crohn's disease, you see the bowel is thick and there's inflammation on the axial imaging, but look how much clearer this is to see as we go into the coronal display where you see the thickening of bowel, you see the prominent vasorecta, you see the stranding, you see the enhancement, you really do appreciate the patient's active Crohn's disease. There's no doubt about it, whether we look at the coronals or the volumes or the MIP, this indeed is very, very critical. Now, there are articles being written now that talk about, in terms of efficiency, maybe only look at coronal images. Could this be a substitute to looking at axial images alone? Maybe it can. In this article, it makes a very good point about how much easier it would be. There's less images to visualize. There's many less images to look at. And perhaps, if there's no difference in terms of knowledge generated, this would indeed be the thing that we would routinely do. So it's something that is worth watching. It's not just being able to do things faster. We're able to look, for example, in this case with GI bleeding and find its source, or in this case in 3D, easily see the desmoplastic reaction of the patient's carcinoid tumor, or in this case of a renal cell carcinoma, which is typically hypervascular, we're able to appreciate the patient's neovascularity, recognizing the aggressiveness of this patient's tumor. So again, there are many things that are best appreciated only when we look beyond the axial imaging. And we can go to this example of a patient with a vascular renal cell with IVC extension and renal vein extension and recognize how nicely we can see the display, how we can understand things better. And that's maybe a good point to stop. And why don't we pick it up at this point? Let's look at some of the things in the kidneys where visualization and the use of 64 slice CT becomes critical, how we could make things better. And with that, let me stop. And thanks very much.